0: Hi, I'm Caitlin, And I'm Shelley. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Red Mom, Blue Mom podcast. We're
1: two moms on different sides of the political aisle, discussing politics, current events, and social
0: issues. We started this podcast because we want to encourage conversations on tough issues and show that you can have a respectful, productive dialogue even when you disagree. It's hard to believe, but you can actually still be friends with someone with whom you have very different political opinions. Please know that Shelly and I aren't experts on the various topics that we discuss, although we do our best to be informed and accurate. We also share our reference material on our website at redmombluemom.com. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Hi listeners, it's Caitlin. Thanks for joining us. Today we're going to talk about hate crimes and hate crime hoaxes. I'm guessing nearly all of our listeners are familiar with the Jesse Smollett case that's been in the U.S. news over recent weeks. If you haven't, here's a quick summary. Smollett is a gay, black actor who lives in Chicago and is best known for his recurring role on the Fox TV drama Empire. Smollett allegedly orchestrated a fake hate crime against himself, hiring two acquaintances to attack him on the street at 2 a.m., yell homophobic and racist slurs at him, pour bleach on him, And hang a noose around his neck. It was also initially claimed that the assailants made a reference to make America great again, yelling something during the attack to the effect of this is MAGA country. What a terrible thing to happen, if it were true. The bizarre story has emerged as a likely hoax, although as of the date of this podcast recording, Smollett is still asserting his innocence. I've been fascinated with the Smollett story and have followed it closely. Honestly, it was like a soap opera as new twists and turns emerged each week. It's been interesting to watch the media coverage, especially in the beginning when very few facts were known. In my opinion, we saw mainstream journalists, politicians, and Hollywood actively and aggressively using the story as proof positive of their ideological narrative that Trump and his supporters are racist, homophobic, and violent. As an example, the day after the attack, the Washington Post ran a story with the headline, quote, the Jesse Smollett attack highlights the hate black gay Americans face. End quote. Democratic presidential contenders Kamala Harris and Cory Booker both tweeted comparisons of the attack to a modern day lynching. Other Democratic leaders, pundits, and celebrities also jumped on the bandwagon in the early days and weeks, making melodramatic statements about how this is America in 2019. Well, of course, Smollett's case isn't representative of America in 2019. And now that more facts have come to light, the media coverage has pivoted. A new narrative has emerged about even if Jesse's story was a fake, it doesn't change the fact that hate crimes are on the rise and should be taken seriously. I don't think anyone would disagree that what Smollett did, if in fact, it's proven to be a hoax, was extremely damaging and harmful to many people, including the LGBTQ community, who were understandably shocked and traumatized when the initial story came out, and Trump supporters, including myself, who are upset about often being falsely accused and labeled as racist or xenophobic or homophobic or violent. As the superintendent of the Chicago Police Department, Eddie Johnson, stated during his recent press conference about the issue, Smollett, quote, took advantage of the pain and anger of racism to promote his career. In the highly polarized environment that we live in right now, the idea of faking such a terrible attack is beyond my understanding. So Shelley, as we get started today for our episode, my first question for you is, do you have any sympathy for Jesse Smollett?
1: The answer is no, Caitlin. I don't have any sympathy at all for Jesse Smollett. And by the way, I think there's no question that he committed this crime and that it was a hoax. In addition, as I read about it, I learned that he did it apparently to get a raise, to get attention in his career. It's just awful. As you point out, it did a terrible disservice to his community, the Black community, the gay community, communities of other minorities, real victims of hate crimes, as well as to the alleged attackers and to to Trump supporters uh, who were blamed. It's just terrible for everyone. I think that hate crime fakers should be prosecuted for these frauds to the maximum extent of the law.
0: Well, good. I completely agree with your assessment of Smollett, and I also have no sympathy for him. He, he's not only a very outspoken critic of Trump, which is fine, uh, but he's also been very hateful towards Trump supporters. There are many examples of this, but one of the most recent was on January 20th, 2019, just a week or so before his supposed attack in Chicago. Smollett made a comment on Twitter in reference to Trump as the 45th president His tweet said, quote, 45 and all his white hooded cohorts are a national disgrace. And if you support them, so are you. So clearly Smollett isn't shy about what he thinks about Trump voters, which in my view makes this alleged hoax story where the early reporting described his assailants as likely Trump supporters all the more despicable. And of course, now that this story has been exposed as a likely hoax, there's a lot of hand-wringing on the part of the left wondering why Smollett would do such a thing. I found a really good um, op-ed from the Washington Examiner dated February 21st, which I thought responded to that question about motive really well. The title of the piece is, quote, we're told to expect." Hate crimes by Trump supporters. That's why Jesse Smollett would fake one. The crux of the piece is that since Trump's campaign, there has been a concerted effort on the part of Democrats and liberal media to demonize Trump supporters as intolerant and violent. And, and so when Smollett's story was first reported, it was a perfect fit for that narrative. Perhaps Smollett expected his story would hold up because it aligned with what many on the left already believe about Trump voters
1: we have to remember that the one of the reasons that this hoax fit the narrative is because hate crimes are real problems, and they're happening a lot. They've been real problems for a long time, but they have been on the rise since, you know, Trump announced his candidacy for presidency. I read a statistic that is in a Vox article that we have cited on redmombluemom.com, and it says that When the United States Bureau of Justice Statistics surveyed a large segment of the population between 2007 and 2011, so this is pre-Trump, to try to gauge the real number of hate crimes, it concluded that there are nearly 260,000 such crimes annually. Last spring, the FBI released a report on 2017 numbers, its numbers, which reported over 7,000 hate crimes in 2017 and there is some expectation that those numbers are underreported. Christian Science Monitor reported a few days ago, quote, criminologists say a hoax should not be used to dismiss the atmosphere that prosecutors say Mr. Smollett sought to manipulate. Hate crimes increased for the third year in a row in 2017, up 17%, according to the FBI report released in November 2018. Some 60% of victims were targeted because of their race or ethnicity, and the largest increase was in anti-Semitic crimes, which jumped 37% in one year. We're talking tens of thousands of hate crimes, and that is a real problem. Here are a few horrific and real hate crimes in recent years. In June 2015, right after Trump announced his candidacy, Dylan Roof, a white nationalist, stormed a black church in Charleston, killing nine people. In 2016, Khalid Jabara was murdered in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in his own neighborhood for being Arab American. In 2016, a Maryland University student who was black uh, was fatally stabbed by another student. 2017 was the Charlottesville white supremacist rally that killed Heather Heyer. And in one week alone, in October of 2018, was the horrific Pittsburgh synagogue shooting with 11 victims. Same week, the black church shooting in Kentucky, where the shooter couldn't get into the church, there were two victims down the street. And just weeks ago, a recent Coast Guard member with a cachet of weapons had plotted to use them against Democratic politicians and media. In addition to these fatalities, there's an outstanding number of incidents where The hatred doesn't result in death, but maybe just an assault. And and even more than that, where it results in just harassment, which is very hard for the people living through the harassment. So Jesse Smollett and other hoaxes, while hurtful, are nothing compared to the real problem we have of racism, hatred, bigotry, sometimes mixed with violence and leading to hate crimes.
0: Yeah, I agree that real hate crimes are a terrible thing. Of course, I'm not going to argue against that. But I think as you look at the data from the FBI and listeners, um, I was just telling Shelly before we started recording that I was deep in the FBI websites today, capturing all of the different detail that the FBI reports um, going back all the way to 2008, in fact. They classify different types of hate crimes, um, but the one that seems to be quoted most or that has the most volume is this concept of a single bias incident, where I think the FBI is really able to track back that crime or the allegation of a crime back to a, a single type of bias. So, be it anti black, anti Jewish, anti LGBTQ, etc. So, for 2017, there were about 7,100 of those single bias incidents up from just over 6,050 the year before. So that's where that 17% increase is coming from. Back in 2008, 2009, those numbers were very similar. In fact, in 2008, there were over 7,700 single bias incidents reported. And again, the number in 2017 is 7,100. The other interesting thing about the FBI data, though, that makes it a little bit tricky. And I like you, Shelley, I read some reports that said, oh, they are very under reported. Other reports said, well, they're overestimated because they reflect any allegation of a crime, even if it's never actually prosecuted. And, and my understanding is that hate crimes tend to be very difficult to prosecute because it's hard to find evidence and witnesses and they're, they're kind of a subjective area of the law. The number of agencies that's reporting varies every year. And in fact, that number generally, at least since about 2010-ish, has been going up. So we've got an increase in the number of agencies reporting. We also have an increase in the number of incidents. Are we seeing more incidents because more hate crimes are occurring, or are we seeing more incidents because we're seeing more law enforcement agencies across the country reporting them?
1: Right. Um, I think that's a really good point. I agree with you there. I don't have a lot of confidence in the data. There are many states that vary in terms of what they call a hate crime. That's up to the prosecutor and, and what the laws in that state are. So there's no real means to report this nationally. For example, when you and I were kids, Caitlin, I don't know if you remember this, but the term hate crime was sort of just coming into yeah, use a new, in a, in new, a concept. new concept in a prosecutorial context in terms of what a person could be charged with i remember the debates some people wanted to avoid hate crimes becoming a category of crimes because they figured that if you murder someone you already can, you're going to get murder no need to add another crime on top of that charge uh, that was the theory at least um, murder assault those are all enough there was also a first amendment argument at the time which was basically if i'm going to yell a racial slur before i kill someone that shouldn't be cause for an additional charge because of the first amendment so there was a real push against even having so-called hate crimes. Most of these crimes don't get charged as hate crimes. And those that do... The jurisdictions report what they want to the FBI in terms of of hate crimes. So, for example, many jurisdictions don't report any hate crimes to the FBI at all. And you have to wonder whether that means there aren't any in that jurisdiction. So there's really no compilation of what you and I might both agree are hate crimes. The FBI numbers in the study that you cited, in my view, are likely low. Yeah, and
0: yeah, I think we are in agreement that the numbers. um, I think number one can be interpreted in different ways, and I also agree that I think it's hard to really do an accurate kind of year over year comparison that's truly apples to apples because you have a lot of fluctuating variables in the data. You mentioned the Matthew Shepard case. President Obama, in late two thousand nine, signed the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act, which expanded. I'm quoting here existing United States federal hate crime law to apply to crimes motivated by a victim's actual or perceived gender, sexual orientation, gender identity or disability. Do you agree, Shelley, that as we think about a hate crime, do you agree with the concept that it's right from a from a legal perspective to add on that additional layer of penalty or punishment?
1: Yes, I think so. Because I think, like I say, racism, bigotry in this country is still very real thing that we have to be aware of and deal with, and awareness is big part. Awareness and admitting that it exists and that it's it's real is a big part of dealing with that. And so, in that when that happens in the criminal context, I think that's the right thing. Uh, I want to touch on something you mentioned about the the media and is all of this Trump's fault? Sort of. I will concede, Caitlin, that no, this is not all Trump's fault. There's an article that is in the Boston Public Radio WBUR, cited on redmombluemom.com, which cites an uptick in racist hate crimes in Massachusetts. And there's a quote in there. It says... Massachusetts, quote, failed to crack the top 15 on any item related to racial equality. In fact, the Ma- Massachusetts legislature is one of the least diverse in the country. Throughout the state, communities of color are largely monitored by predominantly white police forces. And cities like Brockton and Worcester, many of whose students are low income immigrants of color, struggle to provide basic amenities for public school students, end quote. Boston is, you know, known for being somewhat racist. Systemic racism is more to blame for hate crimes than Donald Trump is. But having said that, 2015, when some articles are citing this surge in hate crimes began, that's when he, Donald Trump, announced his run for the for presidency. He did so with a speech that, among other things, described Mexican immigrants as murderers and rapists. We talked about this in our immigration episode, Caitlin. Uh, he repeatedly cites false numbers on illegal immigrants committing murders, which inflames already racist people. Trump has refused to condemn white nationalists. He's made other displays of racism, which doesn't help. It really brings out the racist views when you have a leader who acts like this, and that's one of the reasons that fakers like Jesse Smollett get traction is because of, again, these real hate crimes taking place.
0: I understand that. And again, I think we've talked about in the podcast, I I don't agree with certainly everything Trump says. I don't like how he says things. I, I don't know that the statement that he hasn't condemned white supremacy or white nationalism in the context that it was used in like the Charlottesville case. I don't know that that's exactly true. I don't think he came out quickly enough or maybe strongly enough to do that but i do think he and his administration have been quite clear that they that they don't think that that's right. I don't know if it's accurate to say that the increase in hate crimes can be directly tied to Trump's rhetoric, perhaps in some cases it can. The flip side is though that you have other instances where we've had horrible events happen like that Pittsburgh synagogue shooter it came out that he was very active uh, as an anti-Trumper, right? Really detested President Trump. And so that's just one example, of course, and I'm not sure. saying that that, you know, solves for everything else, but I think you have examples on both sides. I think it's unfair to assign blame to Trump for all of these when there are certainly instances where the perpetrator of these crimes or these attacks are not, in fact, Trump supporters.
1: True, but the numbers show that white supremacists and far-right extremists have accounted for, I think, 59% of all hate and extremist-related fatalities in 2017. That's an increase of 20% from 2016. So those hate crimes are on the rise. In terms of the media reporting too quickly, for example, the Jesse Smollett story, in the media's defense, it was a newsworthy story. It makes sense that it was in the news immediately before it was discovered to be a hoax. I think it makes sense that it was quickly reported upon uh, because it was newsworthy. I don't blame necessarily journalists for not knowing immediately that it was a hoax.
0: Yeah, but I I have an issue with the disproportionate amount of coverage that it received. And I, I say that when you compare it to other recent stories and the example that comes to mind, which, you know, Shelley, you may not even be aware of because it didn't get a lot of coverage. Two or three weeks ago, I think there was a story out of UC Berkeley, about a conservative student who was volunteering for a student organized conservative group. He was trying to sign people up, he was sharing information about conservative principles, etc. Some guy came up to the table, started verbally attacking him, yelling terrible insults and clocked this kid right in the face I mean it's on video it's it's really terrible to watch and thankfully the the man who punched this what appears to be at least an innocent student right in the face has now been captured just over the last couple days and is being charged accordingly but I actually did a little research on CNN just to see kind of how the coverage for that story versus the Jesse Smollett story and I realized that the Smollett story really captured the national conversation for a while If you go onto CNN and you just type in Jesse Smollett in the search bar, you will have, I think it was 10 plus pages of articles about Jesse Smollett. Right out of the gate, from the very beginning, the headlines of most of those stories called it an attack. They didn't say alleged, they just called it an attack. For contrast, that UC Berkeley story that I just quoted, there is one article on CNN and the headline calls it an alleged attack even though there is crystal clear video of that student getting punched in the face. Now I don't understand the legalities perhaps in the journalism world around using alleged versus not, but it certainly seems as though CNN as an example very quick to kind of latch on to this narrative and yet on the flip side you have a story where there's video evidence of this kid getting punched in the face for what appears to be no other reason than he's conservative and this guy approaching him doesn't like his politics now I don't know if that's a hate crime because I don't know that political ideology is a protected class for hate crime purposes But the treatment of it from the media, just using that as an example, is very biased, in my opinion. Now, do I fault the media for falling for a hoax? I don't know. You know, out of the gate, when you've got Jesse Smollett saying that at 2 a.m. there's assailants coming up to him saying this is MAGA country. Well, first of all, who knew that Chicago was MAGA country? Free, right. I mean, that was kind of the first clue that had a lot on the right scratching their head. It's like less than five percent of Chicago voted for Trump. You wouldn't necessarily call the city of Chicago MAGA country, and you have to remember too the timing of that Smollett case was right after the Covington Catholic story, where the same kind of situation happened out of the gate. I think you would probably agree a lot of folks on the media painted this picture that aligned with their ideological narrative. This is where where you talk about this concept of fake news, which I think annoys a lot of people on the left. And I know Trump has really capitalized on that that's where that comes from right because it's like come on media you just had to backpedal and correct yourself on the Covington Catholic story now here's this Smollett story we don't have all the facts the supposed facts that we do know seem a little wonky right it didn't matter at least it didn't seem to matter right Right. because it fit the narrative
1: well I mean I think the concept of fake news Trump created this idea that that any criticism of him has got to be fake and and he's really done a disservice to to the first amendment in this country but i agree with you that the media was too quick and inaccurate when they reported on the covington catholic story i also agree with you that the uc berkeley story, which I did see the video of that student being punched in the face. It's terrible. And it was not covered nearly as much, of course, as the uh, Jesse Smollett story. And so I agree with you that there's probably a narrative out there. But again, the narrative in part is because of these this tremendous amount of real hate crimes that exist. One of the um, articles that you cited in the Daily Caller names 23 hate crime hoaxes since Trump took office, including Jesse Smollett. And assuming each of those is a hoax and assuming that the soon-to-be-released 2018 numbers are similar to the 2017 numbers that we're talking about, Then at most, even according to the FBI, feasibly low numbers, those hoaxes represent 0.1%. That's one one thousandth of hate crimes are hoaxes. If you use the numbers from the U.S. Bureau of Justice Statistics, then those hoaxes represent maybe 0.005% or 1 in 20,000 of these real hate crimes are hoaxes. So how now are, are conservatives drawing some sort of inference that a lot of hate crimes are hoaxes or the, the way that the media, like you say, uses these in, to serve a narrative? The, the real problem is the real hate crimes and the real racism in our country.
0: I agree with you, of course, there, and I, I also agree that the likely mix of hoaxes as part of the total hate crime bucket is a small percentage. Everyone acknowledges on any side of the political aisle that when these hoaxes happen, it does a huge disservice to real stories, real victims, real opportunities to um, expose things that are still happening in our our country that that are not right.
1: Well, Smollett is a terrible person and a national disgrace, as he uh, has said that Trump was. But again, I don't think it takes away from the real issue. The real issue is that discrimination is real, and more awareness should be brought to it.
0: I understand that. There are examples of intolerance and violence and racism and anti-Semitism on both the left and the right. But the stories where there's an opportunity to label Trump and his supporters as terrible people, regardless if those stories are true or not, those are the ones that get the most coverage. So Shelly, as we wrap up, you've made it clear that even in the face of hate crime hoaxes, that it's still important to remember that there are real hate crimes happening. And of course, I agree with you there. And obviously, you've heard my perspective as a conservative about my frustration relating to media bias, and what I consider to be a pretty regular occurrence of many on the left trying to define Trump supporters as this homogenous group of intolerant, violent racists.
1: Well, and we both agree, Caitlin, that the Jesse Smollett hoax is abhorrent. As Trevor Noah, the well known comedian and host of The Daily Show, joked, there is a silver lining. When this started out, it was a story about people who hated Jesse Smollett because he was black and gay. But now, people hate him because he's an a hole. In other words, they're judging him on the content of his character and not the color of his skin. And that, my friends, is progress.
0: Well, thanks, Shelley. And thanks to all of our listeners. We appreciate you listening to our episode this week. Please don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Red Mom. Blue mom. You can find updates and sneak peeks of upcoming topics there. We would also love to hear from you if you have any feedback on this or other episodes or if you have any topic ideas that you would like for us to consider. Please email us at redmom, blue mom, Podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon.